Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Dakota Aquatic, your one-stop show for the fish and reptile hobbyist. Now, without further ado, let's get on with this fun-filled episode. And here's your host, Andrew. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Aquatics, of Dakota Aquatics. And my guest today is Eric from Majestic Siglets. And he's an angelfish breeder, and uh, he does beautiful work. Uh, hello, Eric. How are you doing today? Hello. How are you doing, Andrew? Uh, I would like to say, first and foremost, thank, thank you for having me on your show and uh, getting people out there to know me and my channel, what I've been doing for a little while now. Well, I just know that uh, I've happened to come across you on YouTube. I subscribed to you immediately because your tanks are immaculately clean and your breeding is just phenomenal. So uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you do? Well, I've recently gotten into angelfish breeding. And, uh, you know, you, you I don't know if you've seen my channel, but you have seen that my tanks are very clean. I do raise a lot of angelfish fry. Um, lately, but I've been very successful with the web and breeding and raising up my baby angel fish and everything. But I am going to be very honest with you. That has come with a lot of mistakes and a lot of learning through trial and error, which has basically made me the angel fish breeder that I am today. Yeah, I, I, I just do a lot of. I just do a lot of routine maintenance. I'm very diligent in how I clean my tanks. I keep a schedule. And uh, I always check my water parameters. I make sure that I'm feeding my angelfish the best foods. And uh, I just keep an eye on them. I just do my best to keep my tanks very clean and very well maintained. Yeah, I, I could see that, you know, somebody could make a lot of mistakes, but I see that you uh, your your stuff is just immaculately clean. I've heard a lot of people even say it, but watch your channel, how clean your tanks are and how well you maintain so uh, describe just how you set your tank up for breeding. Well, I've gone through a couple of different setups. And, uh, you know, usually what you do is you come up with an idea in your head and you try it out just like everything else. Uh, you run into a few bugs along the way. And you just try to perfect the setups as you go along. So uh, it's, you know, water parameters, uh, filtration setups, tank size, those types changed all of that with time. I started with a 55-gallon. I wasn't too crazy about the width of the tank. I wanted to keep more angelfish. And uh, considering that to properly keep angelfish, you're supposed to keep a full-grown adult angelfish in 10 gallons of water. So that would actually give me five, so that way I could pair off. I felt that that number wasn't sufficient enough to get a good breeding pair, so I wanted to up that number. So what I did was I got myself a larger tank, I stepped up to a 75-gallon tank, which allowed me to house eight angelfish instead of five, which would have given me a greater chance of getting a, a potential breeding pair and also for allowing my angelfish a little bit more tank space and a better water quality because the, uh, the amount of water that you keep in the aquarium, the more water that you keep in the aquarium, the easier it is to take care of the fish and to keep the water quality you know, very good. So I've learned that over time. I started with a 30-gallon tank, and it was just a backside to keep. It was always getting dirty, smelling bad. 
uh, following up very fast, quickly. And um, it's just, in my personal opinion, start off with the largest tank that you possibly can. It makes life a lot easier, keeps the water quality up, and it makes things just overall easier. Um, I also have kept my breeding pairs in 20-gallon uh, 20 20 tanks. I don't know if you've seen my other tanks. And uh, I've learned that from watching videos like Discus Hans and uh, Angels Plus and a lot of these reputable breeders that have been doing this probably before I was even born. And um, I do my best just to learn from everybody that's out there on YouTube and all of these fish keepers that are doing amazingly well with their angel fish breeding projects, Discus, and, uh, you know, different types of fish that they keep. And uh, whatever works best for them, I try to use a little bit of what everybody else does and apply it to myself. And I create basically my own recipe and, you know, see how everything works out. And whatever works, I stick with that. And whatever doesn't work too well, I, you know, kind of throw that out the door and work on something else that might work a little bit better. Yeah, that, that's what most, that's what's good because uh, you perfected your way of doing it. And it, what your way might not work exactly right for someone else, which is, which is the truth. Um, so what do you feed your angelfish to keep them healthy and keep them uh, inbreeding and stuff like that? Because uh, I know food sometimes affects on their breeding. Yeah, uh, I've done a lot of research on the food. I've done a lot of, uh, uh, I tried a lot of different types of foods, and um, whatever worked for me best is what I stuck to, like I said before. Um, it was a matter of trial and error and seeing what works best for you, you stick with that. And uh, anything that you don't feel works too well, you ditch that to the side and try something new. I actually started with, uh, I did a lot of research reading and watching videos and uh, going to these fish keepers like uh, Angels Plus, uh, Steve Rybicki, Discus Hans, and trying some of their methods with the uh, live feeding, lake foods. Um, I tried certain brands like um, Hikari. It was doing good for a little while. I wasn't too crazy about the fish food. Um, I stumbled upon the Angel, Angels Plus website, and I was able to come across a large line of flake foods that they were producing. They have uh, breeders, blend, breeders blend flakes. They have high-pro growth, and they have such a great variety of flake foods for all your different types of needs. So that really got the wheel spinning in my head, and I was trying a lot of different flakes from their line for different reasons, uh, like their garlic flakes, which uh, is a very good deworming flake, keeps the angelfish's immune system very strong and healthy. Uh, the breeders' blend flake, which conditions the angelfish for breeding, and it, it, it creates a situation for the female where they can uh, she can produce a lot of eggs, become very fertile. It also makes the male very strong and um, helps them to fertilize the eggs properly, and, and it just conditions your fish very well. I also like to use a lot of foods like uh, blood worms, which are high in protein, brine shrimp, which are also high in protein, meaty foods. I do my large water changes, uh, possibly 60%, 70% water changes. I add a little bit cool water. I do that roughly every two days to introduce new water, take out the nitrates, uh, ammonia, nitrites, and I'll keep everything fresh in the tank and keep them actively uh, producing spawns for me, if anything. So, knock on wood, to this day, I've been uh, producing a spawn every week. So, I've actually had to go out of my way to try to slow them down because the uh, excess of angelfish that I'm producing is becoming a lot for me. And um, I've actually had to 
asking my nieces for assistance to help me breed these things and raise the, the babies of anything. That's how many I have now. So, uh, okay, and now after you get them, your fish up the size and they're, they're breeding for you, could you tell us how you handle the eggs and stuff like that? Because I've watched your videos, and some of the listeners might not have watched your videos yet, and I've seen some of the stuff you do, which is it's very unique the way you do it and interesting, and I like the way you do it. Yeah, well, Andrew, I created a system, and once again, like I said before, this was a matter of trial and error. Uh, what I do is I keep a five-gallon tank at the bottom of my fish tank stand, and I have a one-gallon jar. And what I do is once my angelfish do produce eggs, I keep them on the slate rock. I remove the slate rock. I add them to that one-gallon jar, which is basically the same temperature and pH as the parent tank. I then add for that one-gallon jar 10 drops of peroxide water, hydrogen peroxide, I put a bubble in there. I allow them to sit in there. I use chlorinated water, and there's a reason why I do this, because uh, with chlorine being present in the water system, bacteria cannot live. Fungus is not able to attack the angelfish eggs. And a lot of people are, are uh, skeptical about this because, you know, they associate chlorine and fish as, like, it doesn't go together. So, um Actually, the chlorine helps the eggs. The chlorine does not penetrate the eggs in any way, shape, or form. You've seen in my videos, I'm very successful at breeding angelfish. And uh, it actually acts as an antifungal property in the water to keep those eggs clean and keep the fungus from attacking those eggs. But um, as you know, the angelfish eggs, they do hatch out. They do become waterless, but the chlorine itself leaves the water within 24 hours, so the chlorine is free and clear of that water system before those eggs actually hatch. So it, it creates a very sterile environment for the angelfish eggs to grow up in, and it keeps the fungus away. It keeps it very clean. Then you have the oxygen, and it does, it's, it's basically a recipe for raising these eggs into uh, your wigglers and then your free swimming fry. And uh, a lot of people use methylene blue, uh, acroflavin, and... Uh, I've tried those two. I'm not too crazy about the methylene blue because it has a, a potential to stain a lot of things like your fingers, sponges, uh, you know, equipment. And I'm, I've been using the hydrogen peroxide. That I've had the best success. But like you said, it's all about trying try and error and what may work for me may not work for somebody else. So it's all a matter of figuring out your own, you know, recipe, your own formula for doing things and just try new things out. If you see that something doesn't work, you try something else, and whatever it is that works best for you, you stick with that game plan, and that's the best way to do things. So even though I am giving uh, advice on the way to do things, uh, maybe, like I, like you did say, maybe what works for me may not work for somebody else because their water conditions are a little bit different or their situation in general is a little bit different. But um, five-gallon tank at the bottom I keep a heater in there, set it to 82 degrees so that way the environment is nice and heated. I add that one-gallon jar with the same pH, same temperature water as a parent tank, chlorinated water straight from the tap, 10 drops of hydrogen peroxide, put an air stall in there, let that thing bubble, add those eggs in there. Don't worry about walking the, the slate rock over to the tank, exposing it to the air. As long as you don't let the eggs dry out or anything, you're, you're free and clear. 
put those things in there, let it sit in there. Then 24 hours later, what you're going to do is you're going to do a 100% water change, again, with the chlorinated water. The second day, you add five drops of peroxide water, hair stone, same temperature, everything the same, and you just repeat the process. Then from the third day on, you actually have woodless on that slate rock, and you have to be a little bit more careful because from the time that the woodless are, you know, hatched out, they are actually fish now, and they cannot tolerate the chlorine. So you actually have to use conditioners from there on out. So it's uh, it's a little bit of a, you know, a process of anything. So now after you get wigglers, how long does it take for them to be free swimmers, feed your free swimmers once they're first, when they're free swimming? All right. Usually on the first day, you have your eggs are produced. And by the third day, they hatch out, they become wigglers. On the seventh day, they become free swimming fry. Now what happens is these free swimming fry still have the yolk sacs. They're newly free swimming or they haven't quite absorbed the yolk sac, so it's uh, advised, it's ill-advised to feed them right away once they become free swimming. What you want to do is allow at least, uh, from the time that they go free swimming, possibly about six hours, it'll give them a good chance to absorb that yolk sac. And uh, being that they are small baby fish, they have a high rate of metabolism, so they will absorb that yolk sac. And being that the temperature of the water is high, that also helps with their metabolism and the absorption of the yolk sac. Uh, what I like to do is the day before they become free swimming, the day prior, I like to uh, set up a brine shrimp hatchery and I'll uh, get that started so that way on the same day that those fry become free swimming fry, I feed them newly hatched baby brine shrimp. And as you know, as any baby fish, the uh, brine shrimp itself has a yolk sac, which is very nutritious for the uh, angelfish fry. And uh, has a lot of protein, high levels of uh, you know vitamins and minerals and everything that they need, so that way they can uh, develop the shape and size. So uh, after you do that, how long is it before you put them in a um, a regular size tank? Because I noticed when I was watching your videos, you have them in little trays attached to the tanks. Yeah, those are actually called uh, marina breeding boxes. And the reason why I like to keep them in those marina breeding boxes is it's because it's a small space. And when you feed these fish, it's not a, a big space. It's a very small space, very contained, and it makes it very easy for the fry to get to the food. If you take that same group of fry and you put them in, let's say, a 125-gallon tank, and you squirt a little bit of brine shrimp in there, um, chances are the fry may not be able to find the food because it's such a large tank, they're going to spread out all over the tank, and the fry may not be able to get to the food. But if you put them in a smaller container, like a one-gallon jar or a one-gallon tank or maybe a half a gallon, it makes it a lot easier to feed them because there's not too much space for them to move around and get out of the way of the food. The food is right on top of them, right in their faces, and they're going to attack the food once they see it. So it just it makes it a little bit easier to feed them. I've been very successful with feeding, feeding them, and the uh, marina breeding boxes has made life a lot easier. How long have you uh, been perfecting your your method, and are you still working on getting it better than what it is? Or because I I think you're doing an excellent job, and I can't see it getting any better than you already have it. But uh, you know, 
if you're like me, nothing's ever the way you like it. You want it to always be better. So um, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, well, there's always room for improvement in anything you do in life. So you can always get better. You can always progress. You can always evolve with whatever it is that you're doing in life. And I believe that whatever is going on right now for me is really good, but I can also perfect what I'm doing and also make it better. As time goes along, a lot of these companies that produce new products, new foods, uh, new water conditioners, new tanks, and everything, and it actually makes it easier for the fish keeper to uh, actually breed these fish, house them, raise them, and, uh, you know, grow them out of anything in general. You know, When I first got started in fish keeping, uh, I'm 35 years old right now. When I first got started in fish keeping, I was about 10 years old, 9 years old, and uh, 20, 25 years ago, half of the stuff that I see today, these digital thermometers, uh, digital heaters, um, uh, slate bottom filters, everything... All of these filters and, and everything that they're producing now, I, I've never seen any of these things when I was younger as a child. And uh, back then, I don't think I would have even thought about breeding. I think that would have been an afterthought of anything. But uh, uh, people like Steve Radicki over Angels Plus, he's made uh, your sponge filters, slate bottom sponge filters. He's made foods designed for these fish. He's made uh, brine shrimp nets and and. It's just made life a lot easier. So as time goes by, I do believe that uh, your average your average fish keeper is going to be able to breed a majority of the fish that are out there. It's going to be very easy for them to do it because as time goes by, you know, all of these uh, this equipment is going to evolve and it's just going to make life a lot easier for your average fish keeper. I have no doubt that you're going to be extremely successful because I've seen your... Um your YouTube videos, and everybody that's listening, Majestic Siglids on on YouTube. Look him up. He's just phenomenal, his setups. Um, do you have anything else that you would like to add or anything or talk about real quick? Yeah, I would like to talk about my channel a little bit. Um, I've actually been on YouTube for five months now, and I just wanted to get on YouTube with the idea of... Uh, you know, trying, I wanted to make an attempt at selecting a fish, attempting to breed it, and uh, seeing if I could produce a channel that was, uh, you know, interesting for the viewer and something that I can teach people to do, if anything, if I was successful within myself. And uh, it's it's been a really great run for me. It's, it's basically overwhelming the, the warm reception I've gotten on YouTube. Um, I'm a little tongue-tied right now, so, you, you know, please don't mind. Uh, I'm up to about 210 subscribers now. It's it's crazy the way everything's been going on. I'm getting um, questions asked. I have a MCQ and a video series where people send in emails to my email address. They ask me a variety of questions, and I do my best to answer all of the questions in whatever time you know I'm afforded. But uh, if anything, it's just been a really warm reception. I've made a ton of friends. I've gotten nothing but positive compliments on my channel. I'm doing the best possible job that I can to bring you guys a wonderful YouTube channel that's uh, interesting and is willing to teach people out there that want to learn about angel fish. But um, I've also got my share of skeptics that uh, believe that I'm only an angel fish breeder. And I'm the type of person that if I set a goal for myself, I, I won't stop until I accomplish that goal. And the whole thing behind my angelfish breeding project was 
there was a group of people that were fish keepers that were friends of mine, and uh, they came to me with a challenge, and they said, uh, you know, you do, you keep these type of fish and all this other stuff, and you're not a breeder. You can't pull off breeding. Breeding is a whole other subject, and it, it becomes a little bit technical when you start breeding fish. And uh, I just wanted to prove the doubt is wrong and uh, create a great YouTube channel and pull some viewers in. And I didn't think that would be anything like it is today, but it's been a wonderful ride. I've learned a lot from my angelfish. I love what I do. It's a lot of work. You know, I'm not going to lie. But I really enjoy and I adore this hobby. And I'm just grateful to all the people that I've, you know, made friends with. And they've helped me a lot in my breeding project. And just the exposure and everything else in between us. I'm at a loss for words, to be honest with you. I really don't know what to say. But the only word that could come to mind is thank you to everybody for watching my YouTube channel. And our 2015 is around the corner. Here we are. And I'm going to be bringing you guys some new things, but I do have a few skeptics out there, and I'm going to have to lay those skeptics to rest of anything. Do you plan to breed any, like, anything else other than angelfish in the future here? Like discus or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, I have, I have a few fish that I would love to breed. Um, but you know what it is? The angelfish are selling so well in my area, and my uh, local fish stores that are in my area that the people that I deal business with, um, they love the angelfish that I'm producing. Uh, the public loves them. I'm, I'm doing really well with the angelfish. So, and they're selling very well. Above anything else, they're moving out the door, and the stores can't seem to hold them within the week. They sell out. And I, was, uh, I had a person make a proposal to me about breeding discus fish. And actually what happened was was that the uh, gentleman is a manager of a major store, and he came to me with a proposal. He said he wanted me to breed discus fish for him. I told him, you know, he came to me with a question. He asked me, do you think you could breed discus fish? I told him, I know I could breed discus fish. I've never bred them before, but I'm very confident in my ability. And uh, I know if you gave me a set of discus, I'll breed the hell out of them. I'll put those babies. I'll take care of those things. One way or another, I will get it done. I will make a few mistakes along the way, like every you know everybody else does. But I will get the job done. Um, I've actually been very attracted to the uh, red terra cichlid, uh, the fespe. I'm very attracted to that fish. It is an absolutely gorgeous fish, but it is a very aggressive fish as well. And uh, I don't want to put a bunch of juveniles in a tank where they're going to be attacking each other, killing each other, or anything. And uh, discus fish are one of the most beautiful fish that you can get your hands on. But due to the price, they're very expensive fish. Uh, the gentleman was saying that, you know, he, he wants to carry them in his store, but he's afraid of selling them because the discus, they fish for prices anywhere between 60 and $250 if you get, you know, like your red pigeon bloods, your red melons, your super turquoise, or, you know, any of those uh, color strings that are very beautiful. They fish for very high prices. And not everybody is willing to, you know, spend that type of money on a fish. And uh, also, this is, you know, you give it to your average fish, obviously, you know this, and they have a hard time with the discus. Discus tends to get very sick. They require very clean water parameters, um, a lot of water changes, very high-protein foods, and just an overall very clean environment. And there aren't that many people out there that are willing to keep these fish due to the amount of work that goes with having them, if anything. So uh, we avoided, we skipped on the discus thing for now. 
I would like to do it just to get the challenge out of my system, but as far as selling the morph is concerned, that may be a little bit of an issue, and I don't want to get stuck with too many fish. So, you know, um, Oscars has also been a favorite of mine. I've also kept Oscars. That was my first fish when I came, and that's another fish that I would love to breed if I can get my hands on a nice group and grow them out. It takes a long time because these fish are enormous fish. And uh, just, you know, Jack Dempsey's, your Salvanis, beautiful fish. I would like to, if, if I had the time to and the uh, amount of space to do it, I would be breeding all sorts of different types of fish. But, uh, you know, realistically, I am, you know, like yourself and everybody else out there, the average working, you know, hardworking guy. I do have a life outside of fish, and uh, I do live in an apartment, so I'm, you know, basically keeping everything on a small scale, you know. So it, it makes life a little bit hard. I wish I could do things a, I wish I could do things a lot more than what I'm doing right now, but I have to work with what I got for the time being. And uh, I think it's enough for now, if anything. I just know I would like to thank you for coming on the show today and um, <clears throat> talking about your um, your projects and stuff like that. And I would love to have you on again. And um, everybody that's listening, that's Majestic Siglets on YouTube. You'll love his videos and you'll love his setups and you'll learn a lot. But when you go check him out, subscribe to him. And uh, thank you for coming on, Eric. Thank you very much, Andrew. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. So can I get you to come on again sometime? Yes, no problem. Uh, maybe in a week or two we can work something out and you'll be hearing from me again, definitely. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, everybody, You're that welcome. was another great episode. And uh, thank you, Eric. And uh, that's Majestic Signets on YouTube. And uh, you'll love his, his setup, so his angel fishing stuff. So uh, thank you very much, and please tune in again. Thank you for listening to Dakota Aquatics. Please join us next week for another fun-filled episode.